Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome in. It's time for the Sunday Smash, and this time around, we get to do it with a smile on our face. Well, we always have a smile on our face, but it's especially true after getting the uh, season's first win. We knew it wouldn't come easy, Ira, before we get going uh, with all of you guys. I should note that you uh, should like and subscribe here on Warchant TV. That way you can obviously be uh, reminded or alerted to the fact that we're on with uh, more programming. It'll give you the uh, little signal that we're on the air live so hit like and subscribe hit the bell all that good stuff good to be with you on the sunday smash first of all cheers ira yeah man yeah buddy first of all to to a win and also to the uh orioles finishing uh with 52 wins this season a robust 52 is uh it's just we did i wasn't sure they were gonna get to 50 but they did so they did let me double check while we're doing this because i believe the pirates got to 60 wins i think they might have got to 60 wins this is it one-upmanship, Ira. It's just a, a matter I, of which of our baseball teams was sorrier. I, uh, I'm, I mean, I've had my eye on the Diamondbacks all season, and uh, we both finished <laughs> with 52 wins. So I'm, I'm uh, feeling Bucko's good. My Bucko's got that. to 61 wins, Ira. Woo, uh, 61 in 101 for the Buckos. There you go. <laughs> yeah, hey, buddy. it's hollow ground when you get to when you get to 60 wins. Hey, that was the over. The 57 was the over. We cruised past the over-under mm-hmm. on the uh, on the win total. All right, so here we go, man. We get a win, and I'm just not going to be uh, bitter about it, and I'm not going <laughs> to talk about all the bad things that happened in this game uh, on Saturday because there was a lot of them, but uh, but they won a damn game. And um, and there was – I know you wrote in the 321 on com, Ira. I think you were right to point out some toughness there. Uh, I think the number one thing you take away from this game is that they they are not in any way mailing in these performances. They're fighting like hell every week. Uh, they're just, you know, obviously limited, uh, very, very limited. And um, it's hard. It's, it's, it's always going to be uphill. I don't think there's any other way to describe it. when FSU wins games this year. And I think they'll win another couple. Um, it's going to be like this. It's going to be arduous. Maybe not the UMass game, but but any other win that they get will be like this. They're just not good enough uh, to to pull away from people or to sustain it. Yeah, and I, and I know you know a lot of people are frustrated about 
the way they approached that game yesterday with the, you know, the, the screen passes, screen passes, screen passes, screen passes, and not running the ball, the traditional running game. And, and I even tweeted, you know, when Treshawn Ward has 65 yard run, like that's the second carry of the game, but he did have five at that point. He had already caught like five screen passes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's basically, they just, that's them saying, we know we can't run the football at a team that wants to stop the run, which is what Syracuse does. And so this is the only way we could do it. And I, you know, Jordan Travis getting the start and get playing the whole game. I think also part of it was they knew they had to have a quarterback that can run. And so I know people, some people are still like angry that this team is what it is, but they they're figuring out a way to move the football. And I don't know how mad you can get about that. This is where you are. And oh, it's not yeah. going to change in the middle of the season. Well, and I think in a weird way, Ira, the, um, when, when you see the, the amount of times that they're able to actually get a player isolated uh, in, in some form of a one-on-one situation, and they don't do it a lot because it's hard to scheme those up, but they get one-on-one situations, and they never win them. I mean, they never win them. They don't win any one-on-one situation. Um, and so okay, it's, the, it's the, the, the backs do occasionally. Well, and that's why they're throwing to the backs, because obviously with those guys with the ball in their hands, are more dynamic than any receiver we have. And that's really – that's that's a tough commentary on where the receivers are at. Um, those guys, uh, you know, have a long way to go. I think there's a couple of the younger receivers that I think in time will be able to contribute more. But you've got to have to get some speed in here, some separation. You've got to get some guys with some quicks that can make people miss. They don't ever make anybody miss. Um, that's for sure. We, you know, those PFF grades aren't the gospel, but they do tell you some things. And I go through those things afterwards and I'm amazed constantly, Ira, how few times they make people miss tackles. It's like virtually not at all ever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you know, there were, there were a couple, uh, Jay Sean was, I think both of them, Jay Sean and Trey Sean, I think were both real close to, to breaking some big plays. If they could have just gotten one, gotten one past one tackle, but those guys give you the best chance. And yeah, so, you know, and the, you know, the coaching staff, again, you know, if you looked at the formations, a lot of times they had three running backs on the field together. They would have, you know, one, one in a uh, twins formation on this side and then another one over on the slot on the other side. And they would have, or, or back in the, you know, in the back in the backfield. They, they're trying to figure out ways to get those guys the ball and mm-hmm. uh, had some success with it. Um, but I think, you know, the, the offense, I mean, it is what it is. I just don't think it's going to be. That's you. You can't ask them to be a much more efficient than they were last night. Jordan Travis, uh, obviously, didn't throw for a lot of yards, but it was twenty-two out of thirty-two. Uh, the one interception wasn't really his fault. So, you know, that's about as efficient as you're going to get from Jordan Travis. And you don't have guys that can just make dynamic big plays all the time, other than those backs. So, um, you know, again, I just think it's going to be a struggle. Somebody, I think uh, Gator Kirk brought up the uh, the point spread for this week. 18. That'll hurt your feelings. 18? Yeah, um, I'll take the 18. I'll take Florida State plus 18. Um, I, I don't, you know, I don't think they're going to go win the game, but they'll do enough uh, defensively. You know, it's funny right now that the only thing that hurts them defensively, they give up big plays. Um, and, and, it's, and it's strange because they'll just, if you just want to do down by down, you might be confused to see that Florida State gave up the points and yards that they did because down for down, they're good. They're pretty good. But then usually a team finds something and then just beats it to death because we're <laughs> terrible at adjusting to it. 
Um, and, and usually it's somewhere in the middle of the field. It's a crosser or it somehow isolates our linebackers in coverage. And whenever those guys are in coverage, they get beat. Just plain and simple, they get beat. They can't cover anybody. So these are things that don't involve coaching as much as they do talent. Um, I am growing frustrated uh, that uh, those big plays are seemingly unavoidable. Like the busts that we see each week, these random busts seem to be unavoidable. And at some point, you got to look at that position group and, and the coach there and wonder, you know, are, are we getting the most out of that group? Because also, uh, it is a little frustrating. I also think, you know, there was a lot going on in that game yesterday. I didn't write about it. I think we'll, we might write about it tomorrow, but there was a lot going on in that secondary. I mean, Akeem Dent wasn't available. Apparently he was in uniform, but he wasn't available last week. He hasn't been out there much. Um, so he's been dealing That's with correct. something. Um, so he wasn't uh, in the lineup. Travis uh, Jay was hurt. Renardo Green didn't play. Travis Jay was hurt. Um, so you had Kevin Knowles starting at cornerback, and, and there and was he one, hurt. <laughs> and he got hurt when he came back in. But one of those plays where one of those crossing routes, like he had the guy, and then thought he was passing him off to somebody else, but then he looked like I don't. I think he thought it was his own, but it was really man, and he just let his guy go. I mean, so you got some, you know, Jarquez McMillian was playing for the first time, really extended reps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there's there's a lot there was a lot. A lot of uh, mixing and matching in that secondary that, you know, I it may end up being where they go in the future. I mean, Brendan Gant didn't play much. Um, that may be a coach's choice. And so maybe they're going in a different direction there. Um, but I think that might be part of some of the breakdowns. But, you know, I guess to your point that, you know, it's not like that was the first time that's happened. Um, so they, they have to clean that up, obviously. Yeah, no, it's, it's frustrating. Um, but again, some of these – you know, you differentiate when you go through the game when bad plays happen. And I always go back and look at it really closely again as best we can. We don't have the all-22s, and, God, the ACC network is terrible. So, I mean, they seem to be even more focused, and you don't, you have no idea where the safeties are uh, when you're watching from home. But, but as much as you can go back and watch the game, um, you really it, – it's it, – a lot of the things that go wrong turn out to be – and I don't like to blame – players per se but it's like if you're not good enough you're not fast enough you're not big enough or strong enough then then you're not and in some cases you just see a play where you're like well that guy just got beat he's just not good enough how fast do you think schrader is not that fast and he looked like he was running past (laughs) all of our guys man um and he's a big strong kid but yeah i mean that can't happen Uh, it's crazy and i will say i i i almost lost my breath when i saw i think it was quayshawn fuller yeah Man, what are we, what yeah. are we doing here, they, dude? Uh, I mean, that's some common sense. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't want you know. I mean, Just I said a I lack of, this, yeah, no, I mean, no, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it is a lack of awareness. I think just getting caught up in the moment, not thinking. You know, and just kind of just. Well, it just happened a moment ago. Know, it's the same damn play. I mean, it's. I know, um, I know. and that, yeah, that's uh, you know that that. Again, I mean, I, I know the reason. I mean, I'm sure part of the, a big part of the reason is they're trying to get a lot of those younger guys reps, not just for the future, but for later this season. Um, but you know, they're force feeding guys on the field. I mean, well, part of it is that you know, shorthanded again up up front. Dennis Briggs wasn't there, um, so yeah, now you now you've got uh, Josh Farmer playing a lot. That was the most he's ever played. Um, you know, they're. they're you know, and I guess, you know, you want to keep those ends fresh if you can, but it's like, as soon as Jermaine Johnson comes off the field, 
and like Fuller goes in, Ooh. you know, a big play happens. That, that's um, a significant drop off, my friend. Right. I mean, when that <laughs> happens, that is a yeah. significant drop off. Um, um, yeah, no, it's, you know, we've all said it over the course of the season. Uh, you, you could tell the off season told you what this coaching staff thought they had, which wasn't much. That's why they went after so many uh, transfers and transfer portal kids. And they got to do it again. They got to, they got to piecemeal it again. They have to hope to keep the class obviously as, as much intact as they can. But I mean, they're going to have to Ira really make a run at some linebackers. I, I'd make a run at a quarterback in addition to Duffy. I'd make, I'd certainly go after another receiver. I mean, you know, you know that when you throw numbers, uh, you've got a chance that a few of those guys really turn out to be good players. They obviously didn't hit on all of those uh, transfer portal guys, but really the the best looking players on this team are guys that came from other programs right now. I mean, it's it, you, it's pretty pretty remarkable. Going back to Jordan Travis, did you think that um, do you think it was by design to kind of go back to a it almost felt like a twenty twenty approach with him in the sense that. You know, earlier this year, they they had him throwing the ball downfield more, um, which didn't go real well. And it, it seemed like he was tentative. It seemed like he wasn't willing to run. And then all of a sudden in this game, I mean, coming into this game, I think he had 32 yards rushing in the first yeah. three games he played in. And in this game, he carries it 19 times for 100-something yards, including those two late late runs. But, I mean, just it seemed like the quick passing game and Jordan running was back on the table again. And is that a – this is what we need to beat Syracuse, or is that a, hey, I know we, what we wanted to do this season, but let's just do whatever we can do to try to move the football and, and try to get a couple wins here if we can. Yeah, you know, and they set up all that stuff off of it, you know, so that they are able to kind of hit that inside zone afterwards uh, a bunch after they get you going sideline to sideline, right. and then they start wearing you down. It was great to have Maurice Smith back in this game in the middle there because that makes a huge difference for them. They're able to actually run up the gut when they do that. And Jordan missed a touchdown pass on a skinny post, Ira. That's a, He's got the whole field to hit there, and he just doesn't hit it. It's a schemed one-on-one. It's a beautiful play call. So I hear people saying, well, you know, you got to get these. Well, man, he, he just missed him by 20 yards. I yeah, mean, it's, just, it, yeah, it's uh, yeah. just got to get some air under that. Man. Yeah, it's crazy. He could have walked yeah. it. I mean, it's, it's yeah. nuts. But to your point about him running around, that is the healthiest he's looked. He didn't even look healthy against Notre Dame. I don't know this. It, it might be the first time this season I'm, that he's he's healthy. I don't know though. I'm not. I don't know. I don't understand how you can go from being in a brace on Wednesday yeah. and and being in a bulky brace last week to where you can't. I mean, he looked like he couldn't even walk around in warm ups last week. And he was yeah. still in a brace on Wednesday. To then three or four three days later, you're you know running like you. I mean, it's just a weird. It's. I mean, I, I give them credit, uh, you know, for, this for is the problem they have every week, though. It's the yeah. problem they have every week, Ira. I mean, they don't – it's hard to put together a game plan when you don't know which quarterback is going to be available during the week at practice. I mean, I know we're not allowed to give away secrets and everything, but practice notes from all around, everybody knows that those guys have been missing time. Uh, they, take, they, they take turns missing time. Um, and that's – you know, nobody's, nobody's a Jake. I mean, they're trying, but when you're hurt, you're hurt. Uh, so that's why we at the beginning of the year kept saying that, uh, bottom line is this team is going to have to, um, have both those quarterbacks available because I don't know from week to week, if everybody's going to be healthy. Um, it was, yeah, it was well, great. To, it was great to see. Yeah. We'll have to see how Jordan comes out of this game to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Um, no. And you know, what I thought was great was he announced his intentions early, uh, on the sideline play when he lowered his that? shoulder and it was a whole I mean, lot of F you in that moment. I'm, I'm not sure it was the smartest decision in the world, 
I don't yeah. know if that I don't know if that yard was that important in that situation. Mm-hmm. But you're right, man. He was like he was not having it. That was a that was interesting. Well, it was great. It was it was great. Um, it's got to help. Uh, it's got to help the other players to see him do that. Did you see? I mean, you could see the players. They were excited. I did an Irish Chappelle sideline watch after that, and like at least nine guys came up to him afterwards to pat him on the head. And 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 by the way, this Ed, you're right. Um, Care Thomas is a leader out there, man. He yes. just is. I love I love what he has to say. Whenever we interview him after the games, he's great. On the field, he's great. He'll call out his teammates for bullshit. Like he's yes. he's not having it. I love that guy a lot. I'm glad somebody Ed. Good job, buddy. Um, yeah, man, he's, he's, he's tough. Um, but when you, you know, I guess the bottom line is this game fully illustrates how difficult it is when you're down in a hole, when you're down in a rut, how difficult it is for you to win a game. They've got this game one and I, a couple different times. And I dare say, I actually think they're on the cusp of running away and hiding in this game. Oh, 100%. And then, and then you get the fumbled punt. And when the fumble punt happens, I just – the wind comes out of you because that's what bad teams do. That's what all bad teams do when they have a chance to win. What's the one thing you can't do in that situation? You can't drop that. It cannot happen. And he also dro- – he's the one who dropped on the on the ladder. Yeah, that turned uh, into the touchdown. Yeah. yeah. Thinking in that moment, well, I wouldn't put him back out there. Clearly this moment's too big for him right now. I mean, it's crazy. I want to give a shout-out to my man Joe uh, Squarini over there. He uh, – I met him. I met Joe and his son Nico down at uh, uh, Mike Norvell's camp down in South Florida, the Very youth cool. clinics they did, and a real nice guy. And uh, Nico's a cool kid. So uh, shout out to Joe and Nico. Um, yeah, and I don't even know what that is. I mean, on the 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 pass that Pokey dropped that turned into the touchdown. I mean, I guess he's turning up field. He thinks he's going to get hit. I mean. Their their DBs knew what was coming on those screens. I mean, that, mm-hmm. the guy that was coming for him was coming. He he wasn't up on him yet, so he shouldn't have been that worried. But you know, I think they know they're it's coming, and so he I think he turned his head too fast on the punt. It just makes no sense. I mean, that again that goes back to the situational awareness stuff. And I know we're not going to dwell on all the mistakes they did win the football game, but but those are the things like that. The things you talked about defensively, um, it's just a there's just a lack of awareness in certain situations that, um, you know, that, that you see on bad football teams and you, you know, you like to think it'll get better. Um, but I do think it's positive and I wrote about it and I'm sure some people rolled their eyes, but I do think the toughness is important. And I did want to talk about it because, you know, Jordan, you know, I, I started to think last weekend that Jordan may be shutting it down for a while. Um, I mean, the way he was walking with that knee brace at the last game, I didn't think he was going to be available for a couple of weeks. Uh, the fact that he got it out that practice on Wednesday and, you know, was able to play in this game and played the way he did and was as physical as you, the way you said, I think was important. Maurice Smith coming in that game, you know, a lot of times if a guy has a game time decision, he hasn't played in three games. If they can't start, if they're not ready to, to play right off the bat, now that may have been by design. Maybe mm-hmm. they want to get baby on going and then ease Maurice into it. Um, but for him to come in and then play the entire game and, and there were some physical plays there, I and mean, they were in some sneaks and things that inside where he was the focal point. Um, and uh, you know, he and he, he's apparently dealing with a back injury, so that was big. Some of these offensive linemen, man, at practice, I'm telling you, dude, during the week, they yeah, a couple of them can barely walk. It looks like I mean they yeah. are struggling, and for those guys to play every snap these last two games, 
I think it says a lot to what you said at the beginning. It does speak to the, you know, the, the, just the determination to try to, to at least help this team win if they can. Yeah. So to me, you know, competing things can be true, right? You can, you can be disgusted in while recognizing the level we're at right now as an old, if you're, if you're a Florida state fan, you, you look out there and you're like, how, man, this is hard to watch. Like, like, we, we really can't line up and beat people in one-on-ones. We have no depth. We don't have much in the way of, uh, obviously, uh, there is no drop-back passing game. It doesn't exist and, and all of that. And at the same time, if you want overwhelming evidence that there's a culture change, well, then just look at how often guys choose to play, especially on an 0-4 team, while playing – while hurt. Like showing up, gutting it out, wearing those braces, doing whatever they have to, getting whatever treatment they have to have, you know, I mean, I don't know if they, in college we see a lot of tortoise shots or not. I know that's what goes on every week in the NFL, but certainly it's probably likely some of these guys are on some painkillers to be able to go out there, and they do that. And a lot of programs, and you know this, Ira, and we've covered teams that have done this here. When things go south early and you're not the team you thought you were going to be and there's not a lot on the table to accomplish, if they don't love that staff, if they don't love their situation, they'll shut it down. They'll shut it down. They could have like a little tweak to the elbow. Oh, we're going to have to sit this one out. You know, those guys will shut it down. And you're not seeing that. You're seeing a lot of guys doing their best to be on the field, no matter the situation. And that is a sign to me of a cultural shift, a locker room that's better. We want them to be better players, but they're not going to be (laughs) overnight. Yeah, 100%. And that's like, if you think back to this whole season, honestly, it's really been there the whole, almost the whole time. Uh, you know, there hasn't been a lot of moments where you felt like, okay, those guys are dogging it. Uh, I mean, there's been a couple of plays here or there where people mm-hmm. will point out a guy trailing a play. I think that happens. I think that does happen more than you think in sports, but certainly in college football. Um, but and it's not to excuse it, but it does happen. Um, but but in terms of you, know, you think of the Notre Dame game. Uh, the effort in that game. You think of sure. uh, the Jacksonville State game. They didn't play well, but it wasn't like they – they. I didn't think the players stunk it up. I felt like that was more a little bit on the coaches and just and then just some mixed execution once they got out of a rhythm. Um, the Wake Forest game and then the first half of the Louisville games were the were the were really the only two times where you're like, man, what is going on here? What are they doing? Uh, right. But then the, they played so well in the second half of the Louisville game. And then you look at the way they played uh, in this game. So – from an effort standpoint, I mean, you're getting that. And I know that sounds like bare minimum, but if you don't have that, there's nothing to build upon. Like right. that has to be the foundation. And then when you get better players and better execution and better, uh, you know, the coaches understand better what they have, then you can take the next step. But you can't get there without that baseline. Yeah. And so another indicator, you're right, you can't. And you can't build on anything. You can't build culture and trust. And it's uh, not a given. Like people say that should be a given. Well, it's not a given. It's we, not a given. We haven't seen it here in a while. No, we haven't. It's been a toxic place. So it's good to see that. And the other thing I, I would point out, there are guys uh, that, that are playing hurt, all of them, and it really shows in their performance. You know, I, I, I know we have Devontae Love-Taylor uh, for Trench Talk, and he does a great job with that, and he's a good kid. And last year he was a good player, but he is not anywhere near what he was before that injury. And I don't think he's ever really been able to properly get back. Um, When you watch him play, he's just not – 
he's not very good right now. And it's because he's not, I don't think, fully healthy. But he's giving it a go. He's out there busting his ass trying to play. Maurice Smith is clearly not 100%. You know, you see a lot of these guys. Right? Robert is struggling oh, too, man. And, you know, and uh, Dylan Gibbons. I didn't think Dylan Gibbons was going to be able to play last week based on some things we saw in practice. And 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 to your point about Devontae Taylor, it's funny. And Aslan and I were talking about it because – you know, Aslan hosts the trench talk. And, and mm-hmm. when he was talking last week to uh, Devante, he brought up the fact that, uh, you know, man, you got to give Robert Scott a lot of credit. What does that do for his teammates when a guy's out there clearly in pain, not 100%, but he's out there playing? And Devante's like, yeah, that's awesome. We all have some things we're going on. And I'm <laughs> telling you, man, there are days, and Devante's one of those guys I'm talking about that, man, it's, it's a struggle sometimes for those guys to get through practice. Now, you'd love to get to a point where you have offensive linemen who are perfectly healthy. But to your point, I don't think he – he because he had a season-ending injury and then the way the rehab process, process works in the offseason, I don't think he ever got back to where he needed to be when the season started. And then, boom, here you are, Notre Dame. And, you know, it's he's had some setbacks. But, man, he's out there every snap. Out there every snap. A lot of guys fighting. The, the the theme will remain the same the rest of the year. Uh, you're going to watch them each week and see if they're still willing to put their head in there, willing to continue to fight for a team that's not going anywhere, willing to see that uh, see this thing through the season and hope to gain some traction, as I keep talking about. I think some guys have. Uh, I think there are going to be matchups that are on this schedule where because you don't have enough talent, you really probably can't do much of anything. Um, you know, I, I know we're going to hear, well, why do they call that? Or why do they call this? It's really, to me, this isn't about offensive play calling uh, at all. Uh, it's about the lack of personnel and the ability to really block it up. Your, your options are so limited. So what you, what you can do instead is just watch, you know, the fight and the togetherness and all that each week. They're good enough in some cases to get another win or two, certainly over UMass. And I think you predicted in your three, two, one. I'll reference it again. Didn't you say you think they're going to beat somebody that they shouldn't? I tend to agree with that. They're going to I play do. somebody who's not going to want to be there, and right. and 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 doesn't feel like playing. And Florida State, because they do care to play and do fight, they'll find a way to win the game. And as they continue cleaning up these mistakes, I mean, these last couple of games they've started to clean up some of the mistakes. This past game was really, when I mean, about as clean as Florida State can play right now. I mean, they, they the one turnover was on the the interception that. You know, one guy misses a block, but it wasn't a terrible decision by the quarterback or a bad throw. Um, running backs didn't fumble the ball at all. You only had three penalties as a team. Yeah. Uh, you uh, you didn't – I mean, it was just, a, you know, offensively pretty clean game, pretty efficient game, not explosive, but but you didn't kill yourself. And that's what we talked about, I think, in the War Chant Report. We were like, if they just don't kill themselves offensively, they've got a chance to win this game. <laughs> They tried with that fumbled punt, and they tried when Cam McDonald right. didn't bother to get a block. And um, well, thankfully they had a lead at that. You know, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was yeah. big. They had a lead, so they were able to to you know withstand some of those runs. If you, if you're tied or if you're trailing, and those things happen, uh, now you're in deep trouble. Um, but they were good. They were good, Ira. By the way, in the red zone. It's situational. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they were good in the red zone. They haven't been good in the red zone all year. Uh, Pretty good on third and fourth down. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, really I, I was. Yeah, I was, I was, I'm stunned. So uh, that's important. Uh, you know, I think that that's an area that couldn't have gotten worse. So it's impressive to see that they're they're handcuffed a little bit about what they can do in the red zone, and yet they were good there. So I'll take that. I'll take that. There's still things from week to week that we're all going to be mad about. Uh, there are some head scratchers out there occasionally. 
Uh, I, 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 Tom and I were texting. Um, Tom Lang and I were texting during the game. There was the moment on that third down play, and it's third and a mile, so I don't know what the magic play call could have been, but I know it's not to sprint my right-handed quarterback out dead left right. um, and, and have him have to stop and maybe try to throw against his body. I, my guess was they wanted him just to run that. They right. were playing to punt. Um, but but it is a strange moment. But it's not about individual play calls like that. It's about what you you know, you can't be in third and forever because this team can't overcome that. They don't have a passer to do it. They certainly don't have receivers to do it. I was going to say, they don't have a passer to do it. They don't have an offensive line to block it up, and they don't have receivers to to make the plays. I, you know, I did one big positive that kind of gets lost because it was early in the game, but Keyshawn Helton getting that touchdown was big for him. And that was a tough catch. It was mm-hmm. a really, you know. No, no touch on that throw. <laughs> no. <laughs> Jordan's going to fire it in there. Yeah, that's, um, that's what he's going to do. Yeah. But he, uh, you know, Keyshawn's journey this season, you know, he, coming off of a year last year where he wasn't very productive coming off the injury. And in a preseason camp, he really was good, man. And you he were out great. there. He I was mean, great. He was really good in preseason camp. He was, I thought he was maybe the best player on the offense, definitely the best receiver. He drops the pass early in the season and just in the Jacksonville State game. And they just kind of, I don't know, man, just kind of went into a shell, I thought, for the next couple of weeks. And Last week of practice, you saw it. I mean, he had he had a day of practice last week. I think it was Wednesday, where he was unreal. I mean, he made three or four just spectacular catches. Uh, really competed, and it was like, okay, this is a guy from preseason again. I wonder if it could carry over. So mm-hmm. then, when it did, and he got a touchdown, that was big, man. That was really good for him because you know they don't have. I mean, they just don't have a lot of weapons uh, outside, and and you know if he can play like that, at least. That's a guy that can be a little bit consistent. Pokey has the ability to do some of that, but he, you know, he, he just can't have a the can't have the inconsistencies we saw in this game and we've kind of seen throughout his career. So I will take a moment, this one little pocket of the show here, to be a little bit negative, and it's not about um, players. Uh, man, I, I, have we reached two fingers to my eyes, two fingers back to you, Papuchas? Not a good day for the special teams. Not a hey, good buddy. Day. I mean. Yeah. That it's not it's not a good look. You for all the days that they practice special team for what I think is a little bit too long. <laughs> I mean, come on now. That, that that they are awful on special teams. It is hard to watch. It's I don't it's are compounded. they telling are they telling guys to tiptoe out of the end zone? Is this sort of like just kind of take your time here? Let's just shimmy on up to the ten and get hit? I don't know what it is. I mean, that's particularly Ja'Kai Douglas, but that's oh. they've been you know, they tried him last year and he did that. Um, and I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not I'm sure exactly what's <laughs> part. You know, it's like, I, I would like to know some of the decisions that go into, you know, who they decide to put back there in different situations because they've tried a bunch of different guys. Uh, I mean, we've seen Corbin back there. We've seen uh, Corey Wren back there. We've seen, uh, I mean, Travis Ray, um, uh, you know, th- and then this game, obviously Ja'Kai Douglas, um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make. It doesn't make. But I also don't know. You know, they've tried three different punt returners now uh, because Travis Jay either isn't healthy or he's worn out. So then they go to Keyshawn Helton. This game they went to Pokey, who dropped the punt. Um, I don't know, man. I don't get it. I mean, they, as you said, you know, they put a lot of time on it. Mike Norvell basically the two positions that Mike Norvell kind of really focuses on. I mean, he, he's he's kind of like Jimbo in the sense that he. Well, not, not 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 necessarily. No, he he gets around to all the positions. Jimbo is right. much more by the quarterbacks and the the offense. But um, 
Norvell gets around to all the different parts of the field, but he really focuses on wide receivers because that's what he played in special teams because it's so important to him. So it's not like Papuchas is teaching something he doesn't want. Right. It's just bizarre. It's bizarre. They're, and then they, they gave up some uh, you know, a long returns well, at about the 40. Oh, yeah. Nothing about it. Nothing about it. Yeah, there's nothing good. good. And, and even and that, yeah. And I'm I'm also not sure, and Corey brought this up during the game. The rugby punts are good, but Mastromano can also lay into one. I mean, he can yeah, also go ahead and do that. Yeah. And it yeah. seems like the, you know, you don't see a whole lot of that. But well, I just know 25 yard line is good starting field position. So if you if you want yeah. to just go ahead and take your fair catch and take it to the 25, that probably mm-hmm. seems like a good idea. Because uh First and 10 from the 14, the 16, all that nonsense. With this offense. No, dude, it's death. It's death. Um, and, and, and then you're immediately having the field flipped on you. So it's uh, – and we saw when you when you drop a – so that fumble, somebody might say, well, they didn't score. They got the fourth down stop there. No, man, it totally cheats the game. Right. You're going to go – Syracuse is tired. Their defense yep. is worn out. The defense has stretched it, and you've been able to build a lead. You're going to go down and score in all likelihood, and that's that's your ball game. Right. But then not only do you fumble that, they they pin you at your one when they don't get in. And so then when they got the ball back, they were primed to be able to score. From, you know, a, you, from a big picture standpoint, though, Jeff, maybe it's good for them to go through that in terms of responding. Because they, they did, you know, Syracuse made, you know, Syracuse, it would get to 10, Syracuse would score, right. then Florida State would go back and score. Syracuse would score. Florida State would go back and score. Even then, then Syracuse scored and tied it. And at that point, you're thinking, okay, you know, do they have another response in them? And they did. Not only they didn't score the first time they got the ball, but then they did get a stop on defense and then went yeah. down and scored. And, and By the way, the how game. shocked were you to get that stop on defense? Completely. This script was in the books, buddy. It was over. We were going to lose another heartbreaking game. I think everybody in that stadium thought so. I, I mean, for them to get that stop was huge. And I think on the second down, I need to go back and look at it. Um, there's a lot going on at that point. I was trying to write my game story. The last, like, it's, you know, one of the things we do is we try to have a game story ready for the website as soon as the game's over. So I'm kind of paying attention, but also kind of writing and I'm watching the results of plays. And uh, they stopped Schrader on one of his runs on that last drive, which, yeah. was, which, which was big. Um, because yeah, he, he, so he avoided the rush. They brought okay. pressure off the left side. Um, I believe that was Kevin Knowles. They brought in off the left side. He juked him, okay. and it looked like he was going to easily be able to run for a first down. He only instead, got like a yard, I think. Yeah, he ended up getting caught from behind. I don't know. Was that Cooper or Thomas? I can't remember, okay. but either one. It was It was a great play. By the way, Coop, man, good God. Yeah. God, is he played well, man. I love watching that kid play. He plays with a lot of energy to be that size. He's tough, makes plays. Yeah. Yeah, and again, uh, I mean, that defensive line, I mean, uh, that's the – I, yeah, it was asked, Cooper. Yeah, okay, good. Thanks, Tom. I asked uh, Papuchas last week, you know, I think it's impressive that with the way the back end of the defense has played for most of this year and the way the offense has played at times this year, that defensive line, to me, that's usually where you see guys really gamble and freelance and, and uh, you know, mm-hmm. you know the, the, that front seven is usually where you see guys who are going to start getting out of their gaps, start, you know, just trying to, do whatever they can do to make a play because they don't trust anything else around them. That group, partly because I'm sure it's a lot of experienced guys and Keir Thomas, Jermaine Johnson, Robert Cooper's played a ton of football. Um, mm-hmm. You've got guys that are, that are, they're giving the rest, they're giving the defense a chance because they're playing so well and pretty disciplined that, you know, it kind of 
gives everybody else a chance to grow. If they started freelancing up front, man, it would be, you know, out the gate every other play. Yeah, no, they played, they've been the most consistent group on this team by a mile. And um, I really wish that we could clean these things up on the other end, uh, on the back end, because they'd have a chance to actually dominate some games. I mean, they totally dominated the second half of the Louisville game, right. uh, gave up whatever they gave up, 70 yards or something. Uh, and this game starts just the way they wanted it to. I mean, they get out to a 9 to nothing lead, stop missing extra points. But they get out, they get out to a nine-nothing lead and they're dominating on defense. Um, Syracuse is not able to run the ball. Tucker, for the most part, had a maddeningly uh, tough day, I would think, for him. The only reason he got to over 100 yards was because the extra possessions late when Florida right. State's tired, but he wouldn't have got there, and he's been good against everybody. So I, I think by and large, that group up front is is something you can trust most weeks. It's just a shame you can't trust really anybody else uh, on that defense right now. It's just that front four. That's all you really got. So this week, man, this the other thing I want to bring up was, you know, like last week was the worst possible. Every It's funny how like every everything that could have gone wrong for Mike Norvell and his coaching staff last week happened. You know, you you, you lose the game. You, you're, mm-hmm. you're down 31-7 to to Louisville at home. You lose that game. And then on top of that, a bunch of former players have good weeks at their other schools. Jeff Sims comes off the bench and leads George Tech to a win. Uh, he's the guy that people. How did he do this in. week? Uh, not not as good. You know, it's it's weird, man. Like he threw for a ton of yards. Oh, they were um, getting their he, ass beat. But by he had two 40. early, and yeah, and I think one of them was either return for a touchdown or yeah. um, set up a touchdown. But yeah, um, and then you got you know Florida losing. You got Miami losing on Thursday night. Man, what a that good weekend! What a weekend! <laughs> Jimbo loses. Dude, Dab- Clemson, Dab- Clemson should have lost. loses again. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, so it was a good week for Florida State. That's, uh, you know, I think that that played into Corey uh, pouring champagne over his head last night. Yeah, well, and by the way, as an aside, as we take the overview for the season, I'll tell you what, that Georgia defense, whew, yeah. it is. So what's tough, too, I think, for all Florida State fans, and, and we've brought this up, I think, on this show. I know I brought it up on mine during the week. It's an easy observation to make because if you're passionate about football, you watch everybody. You watch as many games as you can. You zero in on your team. Obviously, that's a central theme. It's what we do on Warchant.com. It's what I do on the Jeff Cameron Show. But I love college football across the board, and I love to get a good sample size of games every weekend. And even games that I miss, I go back and watch. And it's just so resoundingly true that when you watch the better teams in the country, it's pretty wide open this year. But when you watch the the better teams, well, uh, after the top two, it's pretty wide. Yeah, open. yeah, after the top two. Um, but when you watch them, you're like, I mean, how bad would Florida State lose to Georgia? Oh, my. I mean, come on, man. First, first, so think about Florida State's offense and that offensive line trying to block Georgia. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's a name your score. It's a name were, your score. There would be, there would be injuries. I mean, it wouldn't. It, it would. It just wouldn't. It wouldn't just be a, a defeat. It would be injuries. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, no. I mean, I get that, and that's uh, frustrating. But let's. It's uh, tough. Let's focus. No, no, but I'm saying, no, 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 no. I'm just. I'm saying. I, I'm not. I'm saying that, that is an example. Not to get mad about. That's just. You can't change that right now. It's going to take time. You got to get right. better players. But it should serve as a reminder, just how far Florida State has to go. I mean, you—they're playing different brands of football out there. There's some. There, it's just—it's yeah. not the same game, um, and so I, you know, yeah, it, yeah, it's, 100%. It's, it's, it's troubling. And the uh, 
you know, I thought this, you know, you look at even in the conference, you know, like Wake Forest, uh, you know, there was a story last week I was reading and I, we knew this, but Andrew Carter, who used to work down here and you, yeah, you remember him, I know he, had a, he did a story about Wake Forest this week. And I think they have nine super seniors that I think they all start mm-hmm. and, and they have like a, se- a couple seventh year guys. I mean, it's like BYU back in the day where they've, they're rolling out a bunch of 24 year olds. Um, and so, you know, Florida state, you know, that roster t- turnover that's happened between Jimbo leaving, then Willie coming and leaving, and then Norvell coming in, you know, they've had that roster roster turnover. And so you've lost so many, you've lost so many guys that should be older guys. Now I looked the other day, I think of, of the guys from the classes from, I guess the 18 and 19 classes or 17, and 18 classes, guys that should be fourth and fifth year seniors right now. Now, obviously you're not going to keep all your fourth and fifth year guys, but right. you'd keep a good bit of them. There's only 10 from those two classes that are even on this team anymore and most of them don't even play or or don't start. So you really don't get anything out of that group. The only veterans you have on this team, the only, most of the veterans you have on this team are transfers um, who've only been in the program for a year. And some yeah. of those, it's a little bit of a crapshoot. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, Florida State didn't get in this situation from a roster standpoint overnight, and it's, and it's not going to get fixed overnight. And I, I get that it's frustrating, um, but I don't know that getting mad about it every week makes sense. Some of the people that, you know, like I mentioned the video Corey and I did after the game, we're kind of like having fun with the win and, you know, playing with champagne. It's ludicrous, but it's kind of a, this is, it's kind of ludicrous where Florida state is right now. I mean, this is, this is, this is Florida state football and they, they can't, as you just said, they're so far away from those teams that you can't even see them. Like if they were, well, I, I, if you watch, sport. okay. So to your point, if you just look player for player, on Saturday, Florida State's not appreciably better anywhere than Syracuse. Syracuse, Ira. They're not <laughs> yeah. they're not appreciably yeah. better than anybody they've faced up right. to this. <laughs> I'm looking up there in the picture. That's good. <laughs> um yeah, they're not, they're just not appreciably better um than than most of the teams they're playing against. Um so you know that's yeah. uh that's the reality, and, and it's it's hard to confront that. But so imagine man. Imagine, I mean, again, I'm, I'm not making excuses for this coaching staff. They've made some mistakes. I know we've talked about it. We've Norvell's admitted it. Um, but man, it's got to be tough. It's got to be tough. It's got to be tough. You know, oh, I mean, game planning with the situations you know that they're kind of dealing with, and and not being able to come out and roll players and roll positions or roll the former staff. I mean, they're trying to. I think he's trying to do the right thing. Like they don't come out and say. Man, we got nobody that can play. Um, yeah, it's a toughie. They, they, they. Uh, Dilly Ham a couple of weeks ago said some things that all but screamed, uh, right. guys. You know, you know. I mean, he, he all but did that. I, I will say, Bob, Bob here uh, as a complaint, and and I, I think this is something that's worth talking about. Like, you can be critical of what's going on with the secondary because uh, I think they have some players there. I, I that um. Some things there got to get fixed. I, I'm very concerned um, with what's going on there, and I've and I've mentioned the linebackers too. I mean, I you know, this is going to be an interesting rest of the way, Ira, because there are some guys on this staff that I think you know. You know, my guess is I don't know this, but my guess is there are a couple of guys on this staff whose jobs are in jeopardy, um, who who would be candidates to be told to have a good day. Um, well, I mean, it, look, it, I mean, things will get better. 
we can make all you know we can explain a lot of the deficiencies on this team. I think that's a good point. Secondary is one where they have talent. They have guys that have size, speed, and athletic ability. Now, are they good football players? Some of them we haven't seen it, but there's talent there to work with. Um, a lot of those guys that they brought in their transfers started at their prior schools, so you think they can play. Um, so yeah, I mean I think that's fair. And at the end of the year, if they're two and ten, or even if they're three, three and nine, nine it's yeah. gonna be hard for Mike Norvell to say to the fan base, to the boosters, to the administration, yeah, we're running it back with everybody. We're we're not making any changes. Um, so yeah, I mean I think that's you know certainly on the table uh, for what he's gonna do. Hey, let me ask you. I wanted to ask you uh, just to, again, man. I like making fun of other coaches and other teams. How 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 excited do you think Jimbo was about losing to Mike Leach in that offense? Oh my God! Could and- you imagine at home? Well, and they don't have a passing game at Texas A&M, and I understand they lost their starting quarterback, but you should – I mean, those two were competing in camp mm-hmm. for the – right up Right, the right, end. right, right, yeah. So, so yeah. in camp, you know, that was pretty even matchup. So I watched, you know, the, the back end of that, and, you know, that's a – it's funny, too, because A&M was the game that a lot of people circled that Alabama was going to have a hard time with. You know, they're like, oh, Alabama on the road. Jimbo's, you know, got a good offensive line, a very good defensive line this year. That's a tough place to play. And Alabama's going to name their score in that game. <laughs> That's not even going to be remote, remotely close. It's weird. Um, it's really yeah. weird. I mean, I, well, you know what it speaks to? And I know, you know, that offensive line they had last year, really the last couple of years, was was dominant. And they totally. lost a lot of those guys. And that's and the same thing in Notre Dame, man. Like we, oh, yeah. Fans and media, we spend so much time talking about the coaches and how successful they are. But a lot of times the best teams have the best offensive lines and defensive lines. And when you have a bunch of seniors and they all leave, uh, you know, you're going to see a drop-off. And Notre Dame hasn't been the same, and, and Texas A&M is not the same. Um, you know, I, I, know- talked about, I talked about Cincinnati going into Notre Dame, and, and I, you know, one of the things that I thought would happen is that Notre Dame would, from the first quarter on, would have to be a one-dimensional team because – their offensive line has not been good at all. Right. And Cincinnati is very good at stopping the run. So almost from the jump, this was going to be a game where Jack Cohn was going to have to try to win a football game. Well, good luck, man. Um, right. I mean, I know he played great against us, uh, but but he hasn't been great since. <laughs> and um, and that yeah, that's, that's a big win for Cincinnati. I think one of the ugly truths about college football that we were hoping would be different this year, although it's starting to settle in a bit more now to being kind of the way it was, we wanted five to eight teams to have a chance to win a national championship. And when Ohio state lost early to Oregon, you're like, okay, that's a good sign. When Florida nearly beat Alabama, you thought, okay, Alabama is gettable. Um, you know, even even Georgia, which we knew would be dominant on defense, scored a grand total of three offensive points against Clemson's defense. So you're like, well, they're, they're have they're going to have problems on offense, you know. And now I think we know it's Georgia and Alabama and two other teams that are waiting to get their ass beat in the playoff. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, and, and you, you're and you sit there and you're like, man, so Cincinnati, good luck, you know, if you get in, like everybody's like, oh, Cincinnati might get in now, and okay. Yeah. What are they, what are they going to do with Georgia? No, not much. no not much. Um, yeah, no. so the idea of going to eight teams or 12 teams or 16 teams, like I'm all for it to an extent, but the way college football is going right now, it seems less teams are capable of making a run than, than you know, and, and you don't, 
I know we love what college basketball is, but it doesn't work in football. You're not going to have Cinderella's. You might see one team win a game. It's yeah. an upset, but you're not going to see a team make a run knocking off two or three great teams in a row if that if they're not that kind of team. Um, I, I like. I, I have to tell you, I really like watching Georgia play. And for people that you know, don't know, I, I don't. I'm indifferent about Georgia. I don't. I've never Wake, cared for Wake, or Wake, against Wake, them. Wake Forest is the number four. Oof. Sorry. Oh, can you imagine Wake <laughs> trying to play Georgia or Alabama? But I mean, hey, but by, by the way, Klaus is an awesome coach, and Wake yeah. is a cool story. But I mean, uh, no. But watching <laughs> watching Georgia play, man, that is some throwback. Beautiful, just gets you some straight up. There is no fancy whatsoever. It's just my guy's going to whoop your guy's ass, and we're going to run right at you. It is glorious. I wonder what you know. The 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 issue I have with Kirby is. They're going, to up, they're going to go up against somebody that's got a quarterback that can make some plays and score some points. And I just, that's the thing that the Kirby's so conservative offensively. I just think that that's going to be, you know, I, I, I'm curious to see if he can win a game like that. Somebody, somebody is going to score some points against them. Um, I know it I doesn't know. look like not, it. Not a lot. <laughs> but, man, if you've got a great quarterback, and I don't know how many great quarterbacks are. I was going to say, there. name the great quarterbacks we're looking at right now. I just, uh, I'll be surprised if they go an entire season looking like this defensively. And, oh, I, and yeah. I just think Kirby, you know, all the Georgia fans hated James Coley because he was too conservative. Well, now they hate the new guy. Well, that all goes back to Kirby. That's how Kirby mm-hmm. wants to coach. Um, he's still in that mindset of of winning with defense and the running game, which is fine. But at some point, you're going to have to score some points, and I, that that. That to me is my concern with them. That's why I don't. I wouldn't say. And of course, he's starting to feel himself. He's starting to think this could be the year for Georgia. I'm just not sure, just because that that part of it. You know, Saban got over that. Uh, I don't know if 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 Kirby is. I do think they have weapons. They're not all healthy right now, and JT Daniels didn't play in this game, so right. their starting quarterback didn't play. They weren't going to let what's his name Bennett throw it around a lot. And once they realized Arkansas could not win the line of scrimmage why would they and they've got three all-world backs the vast majority of the teams on their schedule they can line up and run the ball against those five, with those five offensive linemen it's the it's the envy of every florida state fan i mean we have had this just horrible predicament of not having functional offensive lines and when you watch a team that has it everything else is possible oh, everything yeah. you can run anything you want and it's just so frustrating because we're not even close. I mean, it's not even close. You just have well, to hope that, that the guys that they have on the line for uh, for this recruiting class uh, are all locked in. I mean, somebody – I was talking to somebody the other day about Florida State's roster. Somebody in the program, not a coach, but somebody in the program. And, you know, you just start looking at, okay, well, you know, like even last year. I mean, Landon Dickerson should have been at Florida State. You know, Brock Rubel, if he didn't, if he was an idiot, you know, if he, he could have been there. Uh, they had some guys in the system that could have been good offensive linemen that left the program for different reasons. Trey McKitty leaves to go Georgia. Um, you know, you look at, uh, you know, but if you look at over the last five or six years where everything's gone to heck, it's offensive line and quarterback. I mean, everything else, you, you can complain about the linebackers, you can complain about the secondary, complain about – but the bottom line is, if you're not good up front and if you don't have a quarterback, I mean, good luck. Yeah, the um, 
the uh, and they haven't been good in either spot since Jameis left. Well, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a, a prime example of that. Is go back to the start of the year. If you did all the the, the preseason scouting you could do on all you know all that stuff. You, you read where Clemson people were really concerned about their offensive line. They were going to have to start, they were going to have to slot yeah. a freshman inside and move some guys around. And then right off the bat, they struggled. But you thought, okay, well, it's Georgia. I mean, nobody's moving the ball against Georgia. Right. They haven't moved it against anybody. Mm-hmm. And their offensive line loses every week. And all of a sudden, you don't have an all-world quarterback back there or even one that is all that confident right now because they, they can't win battles in the run game, so they're in second long, third and long a lot, and all of a sudden he looks really average. It's to your point, just that not having a good group up front changes everything about who you are. And then also the way that you have to call the game. You know, that's why Florida State, our fans will get so angry every Saturday because they see this little league offense, and they look at what we're calling, and they go, well, this is just ridiculous. But that's they have to try to trick everybody. They have to try to trick everybody because they can't just line up and run plays. They can't. Yeah, if they if I mean, you know, they broke out the diamond the other day. They're doing everything they can. They're doing everything they can to make the other team get as many of their defenders away from the box as possible. To mm-hmm. just give those five guys a chance to only block five guys as opposed to blocking seven or eight guys. Um, and then, you know, if you get the running back out there, now he's got a chance. Maybe your receivers and tight ends can block somebody um, because you're gonna have a hard time. You're you're just gonna have a hard time blocking it up in up front. So, but I get the frustration. It sucks. I mean, it's it, nobody wants to watch this. Sure, it's hard to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I you know I get the frustration, um, but I, I don't think it's just a matter of you know the coaching staff being dumb and not knowing that the running backs are talented. And hey, why don't we give them the ball? They're trying to figure out ways to get them the ball. Um, well. If you want proof of that, look at targets. Just look at targets total, touches if you want. Right. I mean, over 40 plays went to those guys of the – what did they run, 70 plays? What did Florida State run? Um, I'm I'm talking about in the pass game and running, if you just look at touches. I mean, it it all adds up to a lot of touches um, because they they, they know those two players on offense are their best two players. Uh, But you can't just – you know. A lot of times I'll hear fans say, well, you got to give them each the ball 25 times. Well, you really can't because once you've, once you've sold that, then teams are just going to take that away. So you're trying to make them play you honest. So you spread them out, like you said, make them go sideline to sideline, then hit them up the gut. You're trying to set it up so that right. you have an opportunity to win. You can't just line up and say, here we go. You know, it's 1936. We're just going to power straight ahead. I mean, it's not going to work. So they are trying to be imaginative in the amount of ways that they get them the ball. Can Tom, uh, Tom, can you show us that question again? What was it? So is Rodney Harrison is making somebody else hold an umbrella for him? That would be Corey. That would be Corey asking, uh, what were Corey or, Corey or Jeff, the talent? The, the, Corey and Jeff, I think, are the talent. You know, they see themselves as a talent. And somebody else would be holding the, holding the umbrella for them. Uh, I think me and Aslan would be holding the, the umbrellas. Me and Aslan and Tom. And Austin would be holding the umbrellas. Austin. Austin's low man on the totem pole just because he's the youngest. So just do right. the right thing and say Austin would be holding the umbrella for everybody. <laughs> I like. I do appreciate how Corey has transitioned from a writer to uh, – now he's talent. So he's uh, – because uh, 
Aslan has to take care of him. <laughs> the, uh, yeah. Did yeah. you guys, how late did you end up staying doing the post game last night? How long uh, did that champagne party go on for? <laughs> yeah, we, we had a call for extras. No, it was, uh, it was pretty quick, but it was, uh, you know, it's funny, man. It's like, you know, Aslan brought the bottle and Corey, the idea was Corey was going to pop it. Sure. You know, once we went live, but Corey's but he like, he was trying to get, it. well, he was trying to get it ready and it, it popped before we even, uh, we even got it open. So anyway, you know, he's got to learn not to pour it directly into his eyes. He's pouring it directly into his eyes. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, so funny. But the funniest thing about it all though, man, is my, uh, I was, <laughs> I was, uh, reading the YouTube comments and like most people are like, this is funny, blah, blah, blah. But the people who are like mad every week about this team and are mad every week about, and I'm sure mad right now as they listen to this, mm-hmm. um, they're they're so mad that like, how could you guys celebrate that win? Like, like we were really celebrating like it was a big win. I mean, it's just you know, it's yeah, like, like you were taking that very very seriously. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just, and, yeah, uh, no, it's the tongue in cheek. It's the yeah, yeah it's it's the yeah. Bronx cheer. Like Levitard, uh, you don't get the show. But yeah, anyway. you know, yeah. No, was, and by uh, the way, that, that's a hey. Listen, I was celebrating with champagne with Tom and Gene after the game. I jumped on the post game just to right. have a just to have one because man, uh, hey, it feels go good to September, win a game, right? Yeah, it feels good to win a game. That was a good Saturday. That was a good weekend for Florida State because you you know got finally got a win. And again, man, like most of the team, most of the people and teams you don't like uh, ended up losing. Um, well, I'm about to go watch the Bucks as we wrap this up now. And what's going um, what's gonna, to what's gonna happen in that game, Jeff? Well, nobody nobody's healthy. JPP is out. Gronk is out. Who, yeah. I don't know who else. I think we got somebody else out. I'm like, good Christ, everybody. Um, no, I, I think the Bucks will win, but uh, I'm growing more concerned about these injuries. So we'll see. Um, I've I've rather enjoyed the advantage of having Pro Bowlers at every position. Uh, I don't know how to react when we it start is. to lose them and we don't have so many toys to play with. <laughs> how can we be expected to win the game without yeah. a Hall of Fame tight end? What, what are, are we, we doing? Are we... We're missing this guy and that guy. I mean, these guys, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna watch that and cross my fingers that it's a uh, a buck and old kind of weekend where both uh, both my teams get the wins and uh, and I'll be excited going in tomorrow for the show. But uh, yeah, cool. so I think we I think. I think uh, it'd be nice. You go on the road. Are you gonna leave? You go into no, North Corey, Carolina. No, Corey's going to North Carolina. Yeah, we usually we split it. We talked about sending both of us, but North Carolina actually, because of COVID, is only allowing five visiting media wow. at all. Like five total visiting media from the entire media core. So uh, basically, we just had to send one person. So Corey's going to go, and uh, he'll hold it down for us. That's a trip we don't get to make a lot because they don't play them very often. Um, so it would have been nice, but. Um, Maybe uh, I've been up there before, so Corey's going to hold it down. Yeah, well, we'll get together and watch it over some cold beers. We'll Sounds just watch good. it from afar. Sounds good. Uh, for Tom Lang and Ira Chaffel, I'm Jeff Cameron. Thanks to all of you guys for watching. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Sunday Smash. We do it every Sunday. And this one was fun because at least we got to talk about a win. I know there's a lot of problems, and we couldn't totally ignore them, but uh, we got to do this one with a smile. Cheers, everybody. Appreciate you. Be well. Have a great rest of your Sunday night. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the Jeff Cameron Show and on Wake Up War Champ right and early. So plenty of stuff still coming your way. Be good, everybody.